Hello, beautiful people. Before we get started, I need to thank some new Patreon patrons. Thank you, Shang Pin Tao and Sarah Triplett, and welcome to the wonderful world of Patreon patronage. We had t-shirts made. We don't have t-shirts. Would you buy a t-shirt if I had it made? Want to get thanked on this podcast? Just go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and bend the knee to the original cast. There are a few tiers of patronage, but they all come with access to our bonus monthly podcast, The Original Cast at the Movies, which comes out on the 27th of each month. The pilot episode on Moulin Rouge is available now on this feed, so you can sample before you buy. Just go back to December 27th, 2017. January 2019's movie is the 1997 Disney TV version of the Rodgers and Hammerstein version of the fairy tale Cinderella with Beth Amon and Don Mike Mendoza. It's a thing. Again, patreon.com slash original cast pod. All right, here's the show. One of those two things is different, and I'll play the correct clip here and then edit it so it sounds like I was sure. right. Um, Podcasting. It's a thing. <laughs> Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is an actress and singer in the D.C. area. It's Anna Grace Nowak, everybody. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Good. It's chilly here. It it's 2019. Yeah, Yay, it is. It's 2019. It's late. Well, it's not late 2019. It's like end of January by the time you're all hearing this. But Got it. It's brand new to us yes. to talk about this show, which is Beauty and the Beast. Tale as old as time. True as it can be. Barely even friends, then somebody bends unexpectedly. Just a little change, small to say the least, both a little scared, neither one prepared, beauty and the this is the 10th longest running Broadway show uh, ever. It is in danger of being eclipsed by, oh, not a whole lot. Book of Mormon is the but, only thing open sure. on its tail, which is at 16 right now. But yeah, this is a big, we've done a few of these. We've done, okay, it's below, so it's 10 below Mamma Mia, O Calcutta, Chorus Line, Wicked, Les Mis, Cats, Lion King, Chicago, and Phantom. We've done a few of sure. those. Yeah. So how did Beauty and the Beast come into your life? Uh, Beauty and the Beast was the first live show that I ever saw. Oh, where? Wolf Trap, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I saw it after graduating preschool. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, I was five or six or mm -hmm. something. Um, and then we listened to the cast album in the car mm -hmm. a lot. Had you seen the movie? Yes, I I don't know if I'd seen the movie beforehand, but I mm -hmm. saw Obviously the movie at since. some point. Yes, yes, it is a classic piece of cinema. Yes. Um, and so that was it for you, Beauty and the Beast, and you were off as a I guess five year old performer. Maybe. Well, you've been performing for a long time, so yeah. it had to be pretty. Maybe formative. Uh, <laughs> when did you start performing? Um, oh my gosh. Uh, 
I did a community theater opera thing that wasn't quite an opera when I was five or six, Mm -hmm. I think. It's around the same time. And then when I was seven, I think, I did Les Mis at SIG. Okay. In a church. As Young Cosette. Yes. Yes. Um, Did you do both Young Cosette and Young Eponine? No. Oh, wow. It was just Young Cosette. Just Young Cosette. Okay. We had two other names. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then that was it. So you were off after yes, that. Yes, and then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Young Cosette's a good as a good jump for that. Got a nice big song there, and then you yeah. get to take the rest of the show off. Yeah. So it was a, great. Did you get to go home after that? I did. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think I stayed one day a week to uh-huh. do the bows. Sure. Because. Oh. Yeah. Um, but it's a long show, and Young Cosette comes out <laughs> very early in the and show. Yeah. Like halfway through again. Act One, yeah. is never seen again, right? Because she grows up. That's true. In the span of thirty seconds. Yeah. But it's always with kids. I'm just like, I wonder if they, and I guess once with like a matinee makes sense to hang around and get your yeah. applause. But like, yeah. No, we got, went home. Yeah. It it's like nine thirty, like or like nine probably by the time you got to be done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah time to go home. Yeah. That's yeah. good. You have you have sensible parents. Yeah. Um, which is not always a thing in performing that's arts. That's true. So that's a uh, that's a good that's a good yeah. push. So you were say you were about five or six. You saw Beauty and the Beast, but it doesn't sound like you had this like spark of revelation necessarily when you saw and it. Maybe I did, mm-hmm. and I just don't remember. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. <laughs> I was probably like, "Oh wow, yeah, music, right. dancing, acting, right. people are right there Candles on stage." And and, and uh, oh, we should. Every I think everybody knows, but we should because we do it on this show. Could you think you could summarize the plot of Beauty and the Beast? I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. We'll try. Sure. Um, it's enigmatic, this plot. Yeah. So there's this guy in a castle. And I don't... How old is he at this point? Well, that is a point of some contention. Great. Yeah, the show does... Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. Okay. <laughs> there's a He's guy a in a castle. There's a kid in a He's castle. A He's a kid, kid basically. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. Um, and... This old woman comes to his house uh, with a rose, and she's like, hey, can I give you this rose in exchange for warmth and shelter? Because it's cold outside. And he's like, no, you are ugly. And she's like, well, then I'm going to ruin your life. <laughs> um, and she turns him into a beast. Yep. And he, she turns all the servants at the house into objects. Mm-hmm. And... She gives him the rose, and it's magic now. And when all the petals fall, it may have been magic at the start. When all the petals fall off, uh, he's going to stay as a beast, mm-hmm. and everyone is going to stay as objects. Right. Um, unless he learns to love someone, and they love him in return. Right. We move to the village, which is somewhere in France, and we meet Belle. Who reads so she's weird um and we meet gaston who who doesn't is, read so he's popular yeah right yeah <laughs> um, and he's yeah gaston mm-hmm. and he wants to marry Belle, and that's the opening number and then <laughs> summaries are hard it is hard um, but i like well, i'll tell you something what's interesting to me when i have 
people who are either in high school or in college in this show is when I ask for a summary, this is this is what I get. I'm getting the like this is an actual plot synopsis. Yeah. Whereas like when in, like Matt Bassett was here talking about Most Happy Fellow, he was like, it's about a guy who gets a girl and they dance and they do a dance. And it's like, yeah. okay. Right. And both are valid, but it's but yeah. you're absolutely right. We're all the way up through Bell. Yeah. Yeah. And then um Bell's dad leaves right. to go t- to a inventor's fair or something. Yeah, it's not really clear, but um, yes. to some kind of fair. show off his invention and it's gonna be great and it's gonna change the world and change their lives. Bell's mother is not in the picture. Um and he gets lost and he finds a castle. We've seen this castle before. <laughs> um, and he goes inside and he meets Lumiere and Cogsworth. And then the beast gets angry and he ends up in a dungeon. And then later Gaston asks Belle to marry him. And she's like, no. And then she leaves to go find her father. And then she trades places with him. And that's really where our story begins. Right. <laughs> and And you can see what's uh, gonna happen from here. If yes, you haven't seen the show. Yes, there's it's Disney. So loves and, yeah. loves and songs and dancing. Yeah, yeah, this was the beginning of Disney's now reign on Broadway, I would say. They're they're sort of like Titan esque grip. Sure. Um it uh like we as we mentioned, Lion King is still running and is the third longest running show of all time. And they've had, I mean, they have Aladdin there now and Mary Poppins, Little Mermaid. Yeah. I think that's all that's made it to Broadway. Oh, Frozen. True. How the heck did I forget that? <laughs> I forgot Frozen, right. Uh. <laughs> um, a little show you may have heard of. And then Cinderella, Hunchback exists. No. no. It's Hunchback exists as a musical, but it has never made it to Broadway. It was in New Jersey a couple, like, year or two ago, but it has not made it to Broadway right. yet. Um so this began that thing. It also began, coincidentally, the Disneyfication of Times Square, as it has been referred to, since Disney needed interesting a safe if they wanted to, Times Square be around this around this time. It was it was was not um, what tourists would call safe. Let me put it that way. Got it. I don't think it was unsafe, but, but it wasn't what you see today, which is all the bright, shiny lights and all the family friendly entertainment was yes. right there there was some very yeah, not yeah. family friendly entertainment very very nearby right. and um when this show opened it was during the giuliani administration who sort of then was also trying to revitalize Times square as a like w- turn it into a family friendly attraction it wasn't that before either right but like all that beginning of of what is now what you see as Times square it was not that when this show opened and the show helped to do yeah. that or hurt depending on what your point of view is about Times Square sure and the Disneyfication <laughs> of Times Square and your point of view about Disney actually um and yeah this show was huge when I was in high school and it was and it's got a great cast oh um, yeah with Terrence Mann as the Beast and uh where's who's Tom Bosley that's always so funny as as Belle's father Maurice which is bananas to me um who is? Do you know who Tom Bosley is? This, for people of my generation, he was he was uh, the dad on Happy Days, is what you may know him. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Sorry, and uh, that's fine. Uh, he was in this show called The Father Dowling Murders, I think, where he played a priest who solved crimes. I remember that. He was kind of like 
I mean, he, you can hear his voice on the thing. He's a very recognizable voice. He was a Broadway guy, though. He won a Tony for Fiorello back in the 50s oh, cool. and was sort of making a return of, of sorts to Broadway with this show. Um, and it's a funny little thing to hear him in. And Belle is played by... Susan Egan. And uh, Gary Beach is in. I mean, it's, just, it's a rogues gallery of, uh, of people who were going to be... Either were huge or were going to be huge right. when, this, when this came out. And it... I mean, it's... Yeah, so there's so many... I'm trying to think of whether to stick with the weirdness of the plot or to go... Yeah. Because you asked a good question. But I think it's... it's so when you saw the Wolf Trap production, that would have been a tour or something re- resembling a tour. So, so it would have been full... Like the full... Do you were the full costumes or anything? Like I, that big Lumiere outfit? I remember... Because it's done by high schools now and it's yeah. a little pared down from... Well, yeah. 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 Right. Um, I... I don't remember it. I remember there was like a scrim at the beginning or something in front of the actors and the actors were frozen behind that. And then a scrim went up and they started moving. And I was like, <laughs> I was shook. Um, and then I don't really remember. And that's all. Yeah. <laughs> but that part was great. You were so, so shook. Yeah, hours later, like, I don't know what happened, but that scrim thing was fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah. So it is, I mean, it, it is also... I remember when it came to to Broadway and there was all this discussion about, well, like the characters are these little, like there's a candlestick that in the movie he picks up and there's a little clock and there's Chip and there's Mrs. Potts. And they just went full, full full-size people in these gear. And, excuse me. um, Yeah, and I still think it looks weird personally, but people seem to love it, so... It worked, obviously. It ran for yeah. almost 6,000 performances, so what the heck do I know? Have you seen it since? Yes. Okay. My my father played Maurice in a music, uh, in music theater production. Right. In a community theater there production. Um, and I saw that one three or four times. So your your family has, then, entertainment in it. Oh, yes. Okay, all the way through, or just... Um, every, we're, we're not sure about our, my youngest sibling. Sure. Um... But everybody else has like done a show in the past year. Casey has too. Hmm. That's yeah. So everybody, uh, everybody, I think has done a show in the last year, including your mom. Yeah, like including everybody. My mom. Oh yeah. wow. Okay. My mom and my brother and I. I have two brothers and one sister. Um, my older younger brother. Um, gotcha. Is we're all in a show together right now. Oh. Yeah. What are you in right now? We're in uh, the Adams family. Oh. All together. Well, yeah. there you are. Yeah. Where is that? Uh, that's at Chalice Theater. Okay. Yeah. My. Well, yeah. Look at you all. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. And I, I did a show with my dad. My mom and my brother have done another show together. It's wow. Yeah. My my brother and I go to the same high school, so uh-huh. we do so you shows do high school together, together a lot. Together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Man. Okay. Yeah. You're like the uh, you're the damn Von Trapps. Yeah. <laughs> group. That's amazing. Uh, so that's always interesting. So you got into performing. Because it was something your family did, I would imagine. Uh, then. Yeah, it was just in. The, it was just in the air. It, was, like, yeah. it wasn't like I mean, a lot of people I talked to who were performing kids either had one parent, or um, they just had to. They just told their parents, "I have to. I have to. I have right. to." Right. Yeah. And but if you were, I mean, if they announced auditions for Les Mis, it's yeah, so your mom would have been like, "No, let's take Anna down my, to that." My and, mom, my 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 mom took me to that because she wanted me to experience rejection. <laughs> and <laughs> okay hang on let's stick with that for a second 
you need you need this is something you needed at seven. I, <laughs> Were you getting? A I lot guess of I stuff? was doing well okay. at age seven. Mm-hmm. It was gonna and pull myself or something. Back down to earth. You know, just. <laughs> I, sure. I I mean, hey, no, yeah. I I applaud the like the foresight there. I also yeah. am laughing how hard that it just horribly backfired on yeah. her in that moment. Yeah. 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 All right. It's it's all good. Sure. It would have been a coveted thing for kids at uh, in the Northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland area to be young Cosette. That also that because it would have been true. well, because especially because, I mean, how many were there? Two. Okay, so you have a you know twice as good a chance as getting a normal yeah, role that's as true. if you're going to be young Cosette. Um, that's really funny. Well, yeah, there it goes. No, uh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it happens. Decision it letters goes. will come up, and then I'll. Oh, yeah. well, oh, yes, as you are applying great. for college. It's no, it, it's going to be fine. <laughs> Don't even with that. Don't, you know, college is what it is. Um, and uh, you're applying to much better colleges than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, kudos to you. <laughs> uh, so, what, so in that sense of, and you're obviously thinking about studying performance yes. in, in college. Mm-hmm. So there is... Hmm. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this question. What about what about performing gets you pumped? I just I'm sorry. It's totally fine. I did like 35 takes of a personal statement on this yesterday. Oh wow! <laughs> so I'm like. So you're having flashbacks right now. A little bit. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> it's just it's fun, you know. That's good enough for me. And it's like. <laughs> People are weird and you yeah. get to try to figure out why people do the weird things and that's cool mm-hmm. and also it's like when you're on stage and you have a script people have to talk to you you know because mm-hmm. it's, it's written, written in down. there right and that's always nice <laughs> um, when you know how the conversation is going to exactly yeah, yeah there's no surprises hopefully right. or there is a surprise but you're like wow that was great acting mm-hmm yeah okay it's fun is good enough for me i don't need like you know when people say what i say why do you do this I'm like because it's fun I'm like great that's the yeah. best. <laughs> that's the best reason to do something yeah. like this right uh because it's hard so yes if it's fun it better it, be it, fun yeah right because that's all you have to go yeah. off of yeah it better be fun so with your now as somebody who another thing that i'm always interested in with young performers so you're gonna get all these questions great is um is interacting with, I mean, when you're doing a show like Les Mis, especially, right? You're not the only kid, Mm-mm. but you're one of one the, of only the very few. Yeah, yeah. And you're the only kid. I mean, Eponine runs on stage, gets picked up by her mother, and runs off stage pretty yeah. much. Um, maybe sticking her tongue out at you. I don't know how it was blocked. And it's probably happened. Probably, <laughs> I think that's how I remember it happening in the in the tours. Um, and uh, but Gavroche isn't in your act, so you're not or in your section, right. so you're not interacting with him on stage. Yeah. When you did um, night music, you mm. were the only yes. young actor in the production. Yeah. So how does that for for someone who seems like they have what I would consider to be simpatico uh, social anxiety interactions? Sure. There we go. <laughs> I don't want to out you or anything on this no, podcast, I mean... but I'm getting that vibe. Um, that. How do do you find yourself more comfortable interacting with people who are older than you? Um, not really. Mm-hmm. No, no, okay. I don't think so. 
Because when you no. did, I mean, just to set it up for people here a little bit, like when you did Cosette at Signature, like that's a that's a heavy hitters theater here. Oh yeah. And you were you're super young, so you probably yes. didn't have any kind of concept of that. It Not was, really. Yeah. But when you did Night Music, I mean, that's Bobby Smith and Holly Twyford yeah. and Tracy Oliveira. Like you're you're in the yes. mix, and you know who these people are, and you've seen them on at shows. Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. So, and you're playing, I mean, Bobby Smith and Holly yeah. Twyford's daughter. Y- yeah. Also. <laughs> so, you know, so that's happening. So how did you, did you sort of leave it up to them to make you feel at ease or did you, cause they're all very nice people. So that, that super helps. But like, yeah, I just did my best. Okay. <laughs> I, I hid in my dressing room a lot uh-huh. actually. And like by the end of the show, I was like, man, well, Tracy got you on Instagram probably. a few times. That's so that was true. a lot of fun. Yeah. Yes. Um, Holly and Bobby and everyone in the mm-hmm. cast, they're all wonderful. Mm-hmm. And like tried to make me feel welcome, I'm assuming. They mm-hmm. were just nice. Maybe they were right. just being nice and themselves. That's fine. And wrong with yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so that was helpful. Talking to people, as you, you may have noticed, just stresses me out a little bit. Sure. So that was a part of it. And it was also like because they're adults, I'm like, you're my friends, but also like, you're adults. Right. So, well, and I'm sure you get the reaction a lot from people that you just got from me, which is the like, you were how old when this happened? You're doing right. this? Like, and I can imagine that gets super boring. I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of shocked by it too. Oh, okay. So I'm like, in which, in what way? Like, it's super cool that I got to do that. And like, mm-hmm. the, I feel like it's, People get cast in things all the time, but I feel like getting cast in something is so rare. Mm-hmm. Like it's insane that anyone gets cast yes. in anything because there are so many people that yes. could get cast. Well, and auditions are the worst. So yeah, nothing worse than an and audition. It's it, so it's crazy that people get cast in anything, mm-hmm. but like I did, mm-hmm. and that's super cool. Yeah, and great. And I don't remember what the context of this was. Well, it is the, but it's the sense of like. What I'm interested in personally is that as somebody who generally, except for in a very few exceptions, and one of them being right here because we're in my house, sure, is feels like, always feels like an outsider looking in, right? kind of no matter where I am. I'm very interested to be like, because like, when I was a kid, I never wanted to do theater at the level you do theater at right now. I wanted to do theater at my level. Right. And maybe community, like the community theater and get good at that, with which had adults and stuff in it. But sure. I didn't want to do, because I couldn't imagine working with those people right. at this level, like being who I was and being like, I can't, you know, I put on a really good show when I was a kid because I'm a white guy and like <laughs> we, we're encouraged to act out. Sure. And so I did. But it was like, I was loud so nobody would make fun of me, kind of right. total reaction. And... It's so that that remains like that that feeling never really goes away. You mm-hmm. just you find a tribe that makes you not feel that way, and then you stick with those people as much as you can. Sure, but we all have to go to the DMV every now and again, and so like, but for somebody like like you at your age, mm-hmm. I, I I'm fascinated by this combination of like you 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 have what i would consider to be relatively normal social anxiety about interacting with people hey. especially for the theater um cuz very common trait but the sort of i mean you really have to have fun as you said doing this to yeah. sort of be like well yeah i'm going to audition 
like knowing that you might get right. it, you know, like being like, you don't let that, like, I wouldn't have even auditioned. Right. I would have just been like, no, because I might get it. Yeah. That's yeah and that would have been the worst a thing very in the entire legitimate world. fear. Right, yeah. Exactly. And it's the, and it happened to you. <laughs> like, that's, that's so <laughs> funny. Right? She's never going to get this. Go yeah. ahead. Oh, crap. Um, now I've got to bring her to all these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it, so I'm very interested in that sort of what, because it's not uncommon, I don't think. And what it is about the theater specifically that, makes you relax enough to like do do the thing or do you just love it so much that you're you're willing to risk um, the the uncomfortableness I, I that that's part of it mm-hmm. but also scripts help mm-hmm. because you're on stage and you have a script and you're like okay this is my scene partner so they'll have to talk with me at least in an on stage setting mm-hmm. and then maybe while we're waiting on stage during tech week right. and they're fixing a lighting cue right we can talk about something and like because there's time in between scenes and if you're just waiting there then you have time to talk about things and you've already had like an onstage like a scripted interaction but still an interaction because they're still a human being and you're still a human being and Mm -hmm. you're both there and Mm -hmm. talking um so that i feel like kind of helps ease you in Mm -hmm. ease me in maybe sure yeah it's also just fun you don't have to none of of us has a degree in anything you don't have like psychiatry we don't have to answer this question you know definitively but it sounds like that's i mean that's enough so obviously what what i said why why i I qualified that by saying like a normal healthy amount of social anxiety it's because you clearly want it like you want the interaction yeah and that's the yeah the thing kind of behind it and you found a way you say to make people talk to you which i, I think it's really interesting because i would have said that like my thing was i found a way to make people listen because like the audience had to listen to what i was saying right this is the rule like i stand here and i say these stuff and you have to listen to me you don't you have to watch me do it right there's, there's no way out of it like this is what we do. and you've paid so like, yeah here we are well, i mean like part of it is like look i'm, I'm good at this thing yeah watch me be good at this thing right please love me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like at school, you're like, man, if I get the lead, yeah, everybody's going to see me. And mm-hmm. they're going to be like, wow. <laughs> she, that, she was up there. Yeah. Right. She, she, she did a thing. <laughs> that I was, and it was a good thing. Good mm-hmm. for her. There yeah. you go. Yeah. But then what if it doesn't go well? well or do I just break you? Uh, <laughs> never occurred to me before. Does it not occur to you in that sense? If it doesn't go well? Yeah. Not. That's fantastic. Hold on to that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I get stage fright if I'm, like, auditioning for something, Mm -hmm. but I don't really get stage fright when I'm performing. Yeah, I never got scared when I was performing either. I would get pumped, which would translate into, like, jitteriness. (laughs) Sure. But, like, the adrenaline would kick in. But I wouldn't get that, like, I've seen people have what I would call stage fright, which is the legitimate fear of going, of walking out on stage. I never had that. Yeah. No, it was weird for night music. I was like, I need to like jump or something to get my energy up. I don't know what hmm. it was. Maybe I like shut down to avoid reaching mm-hmm. that point. That's possible. Um, but yeah. It it's was... a very small musical though. Yeah. Like as musicals go, especially sure. signature musicals go. Yeah, like, yeah. It is a, it's, it's very ensemble-y. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you come in? I come in at the uh, no. Oh, your very first scene. They're like That's the solitaire scene. Three That's right. beginnings. Right. They're four. You're near the top, though. You are. Yeah. yeah. I, I come in. I'm like. Yeah, playing solitaire. Why not with, or cheat? Cheated solitaire. And then right. 
sets Solitary up the show. is the only thing so, in life that demands yeah. absolute honesty. <laughs> it's a great line. Yeah, that okay, that makes sense. So you're in kind of right right from the jump. Because I was always like, I wonder, I always wonder how much of that is like late. Because you don't sing for a little while either. Though. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of handy. Yeah. Kinda I handy. I sing at the I sing the glamorous life. That's right, what it's that's called. what I was gonna say. Doing yeah. the scales, and then I don't sing for the rest of the Did show. you play the piano? I didn't. Oh, I I kind of wanted to. to I, yeah. I did. I was like, hey, so um, mm. you wanted to have me play the piano? It is just scales, so it's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of a tricky yeah. scale, though. Now that I it's, say that. It's, it's not like a straight it's scale. It's like E flat. Yeah. Something. Well, it's got a little, it's got a twitch in it somewhere that I can't. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You knew it. You did the show. Which makes perfect sense. Yeah. I'm just really, I mean, of course, one of the reasons I do this show is because I'm interested in what makes people do this in addition to the fact that I love these CDs. But there's also, I'm really interested in, this sort of this drive but also this this ability the theater has to make us forget our like literally our problems when i say our problems i mean our tiny everyday problems not not just like our we all have problem problems that like luckily we can forget about those but it is that ability to like just release and relax and and just be somebody else for yeah two and a half hours and that's that's fantastic um but so when you go, do you see a lot of theater? I guess you do if your family's doing a lot I'm, of theater. You probably I, see I, I, I see a lot of community and uh-huh. like school theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't see too, too much. Mm-hmm. But I see a fair amount, mm-hmm. I think. Sure. Yeah. A good amount of theater. A, a solid amount. A yeah. solid amount. I think I see a solid amount of theater. It's like whatever that means. <laughs> it's very amorphous. We can just, we can just roll with that. Um, yeah, because it, it just, I, I, I kind of... I have, I have a, I'm also like, I've switched to the other side of the table. So it's that thing of like, what I do, why I do this is different from why like performers right. do this now, yeah. obviously. Um, but since performance is what we see, yeah. you know, largely, then that's the sort of like the front line of the of yeah. the whole thing. I'm trying to think of how to transition back into talking about Beauty and the Beast and I'm falling flat here a little bit. So I'm just going to do it. Sure. <laughs> I was gonna hard crash. I'm gonna hard crash at some um, point. We'll play a clip of like music and anxiety, then we'll just crash into it. Yeah. The, well, there's beast. a lot of that. Well, there's see now the, that's true. We're there. We are. We are. We are struggle and with Bell and the and the Beast. Absolutely. We are, we are dealing with some stuff. But so you asked the question to your kids though. Also, how young the Beast is at the beginning? Yeah. Because this is a big sticking point in the movie. In the narration on in the show and in the remade film mm-hmm. is different from the original movie. In the original movie, is the it? line is, The rose she had offered was truly an enchanted rose which would bloom until his 21st year. And in this, it's... I don't think... Did they put an H? No. The rose she had offered was truly an enchanted rose which would bloom for many years. It's, it's this big problem where, like, if you do the math on, like, that he's supposed to be 21 and it's been 10 years, then he was 11 11. when this strange woman showed up to his house. So he's an 11-year-old prince living alone in a castle full of servants. Yeah. Question one, why did he answer the door? Like, somebody else would do that for him. But question two, is it unreasonable for an 11-year-old to, like, see a strange old woman outside of the house in a rainstorm and be like, can I come in and say, no? Yeah. No, you may not. Probably. And it it seems perfectly logical, right, to you I was. I listened to that 
the first bit, and I was so she she's the enchantress the whole time, right? But she decides to be an old woman to trick for, him. To, yeah. But why? Yeah, there's no. That's so mean. In most who's the and, real villain? This is, and this is the thing, <laughs> and they actually kind of cover it better in the remake movie. The live I, action. The live action mm-hmm. than in either the original movie or the um, the Broadway show, where they kind of do this retroactive. She casts a spell not only on the castle, but on the whole village. The village forgets he's there. And there's this sense I got that he was kind of a known bad guy. Like just a bratty whatever. (laughs) Well, they don't do that in the movie. In the movie, they, they, they fudge that. But it is this sort of idea that he was targeted by this enchantress but for a reason it, okay. it's not in the in, in in this show and the car, and the animated uh, film it kind of feels like what you just said she just like picked this kid out of a hat or like showed yeah. up at this house and was like oh this today i'm yeah. going to test this guy and ruin his life if it doesn't work i get more hung up on the fact that all the servants and everybody who just i just showed up for work like yeah, literally true. all i did was show up for work today is like now you are a thing. Yeah. Boom. And Chip is really where it all falls apart for me. Because how old is that kid when he gets turned into a cup? And how many years have passed? And how old is he when he comes out? Does time it, freeze? Exactly for right. Them? He's a, he was like either a tiny baby. Yeah. And he's ten now. Or they just went into a state of suspended animation, which is more yeah. like what the live action movie sort of implies that they just like everyone's just frozen. Right. Until the rose falls apart and then they either turn into then furniture. Literally, literally frozen. Get frozen. Yeah. Which happens. Have you seen the live action movie? I did. It's like body horror for me because they like <laughs> they literally at the end when like the rose is falling and like right before she says I love you because she has to say it out loud apparently oh, well, uh, or it doesn't count. Whatever. Pixar whatever. didn't happen. The. Uh, <laughs> They like like Lumiere like freezes into a candlestick and like Cogsworth starts to freeze into right. a clock like permanently I, and it's horrifying. I vaguely remember that. It's so scary. I saw when I saw the trailer for the movie, I was like, no, I'm not no. going to see that because that looks have, scary as all hell. Did you not see it? I saw it. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I I eventually just was like, yeah, okay, okay. And I'll be entirely honest. I kind of like it was on and I kind of walked in and out sure. of the room. Like I didn't. I didn't feel like I was missing anything. Right. Because it's it's what's interesting to me is is that when they this is the for me the most successful stage adaptation of all the Disney stories. Okay. Obviously Lion King is like financially the most successful right. and the the costumes and the puppets and the everything of Lion the King is theatricality of yeah. Yes, is absolutely that's wonderful wonderful stuff. But in terms of the expanded songiverse okay. of it all <laughs> This is the only one that really works for me as a like full score. Sure. The other ones yeah. I notice the tact the the added songs, even though it does have, as I just said, flipping through this thing, like forty reprises. Yeah. Including back to back reprises, which is one of my like one of my favorite things in the world. Uh the no matter what, and then immediately it's reprised. No matter what, yeah. Um Home and a reprise, but I can't love her as a reprise, Beauty and the Well, Beauty and the Beast should have a reprise. Uh but it's just Gaston has a reprise. And, but even without those, there are a number of songs written by Mencken and Tim Rice, who did the lyrics, because by this point, Howard Ashman had passed, um, that the most notable being to me, uh, me, is sure. a song that I, I always go like, oh, that should absolutely have been in the movie. I yeah. That's a great song. Been dreaming just one dream nearly all your life, hoping 
and scheming just one theme. Will you be a wife? Will you be some he-man's property? Good news, that he-man's me. Equation girl plus man doesn't help just you. On occasion, women can have their uses too, mainly to extend the family tree. Pumpkin, extend with me. <laughs> all of Gaston's stuff is hilarious. It's fun to be the villain. Yeah. The villain gets all the best stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah, Javert has the best songs in Les Mis, in my opinion. Um, yeah? Uh-oh. Uh, uh, uh. There's a lot of songs in Les Mis, so I can't, like, <laughs> just whip out a... That's very true. There are, like, there are well, three discs is the one that's out today. You can, yeah, there's a lot. Um, <laughs> that's very true. Uh, and and uh, they added in for this human again which was written for the movie but sure. cut so we get some some extra ashman but uh, what i really like about it if i can't love her isn't in the movie no it? it's not yeah. but what's really clever is that if you watch the animated movie having listened to this a bunch and i recommend that actually sure. you will hear that melody long ago i should have seen all the things i could have been Careless and unthinking, I moved onward. That, that's in the. It's that, in the Enchantress section. That's in the how the. Yeah, it's how the, the whole prologue. show starts. Yeah. And it runs through the whole movie. It's, yeah. it's underscoring that, that little tiny musical theme. And so taking that and putting words to it yeah. ma- makes it like really fit with the score in a really, really right. nice way. But like with all the other ones, with, with Lion King and with Aladdin and Little Mermaid, like the added songs stand out to me. The added moments okay. really stick out to me like added moments unlike this where it feels like there are more moments no there are, there's a lot of flow yeah like and i wonder if it's just there's more moments to musicalize because it's a lot of scenes Maybe. from the movie that just get a song yeah and also moments we don't see in the movie that we would really want to see the big one being if i can't love her right where the beast realizes he loves Belle. that absolutely should have a song if it's yeah, a stage absolutely. musical yeah and it's a great song i think it is yeah. an absolutely like and Terrence Mann sings the crap out of yes. it. Yes. And it is a hundred percent a song that I sang all through high school. As, as you got just you have to. It, it's a, yeah. Absolutely. It's an amazing, <laughs> amazing moment. And and like other songs, like I kind of can take and leave songs like No Matter What and Home. They no matter tried, what is cute. No matter what is cute. That's and that's fine. Coming right after Bell too. Which is like one of the best opening numbers right. ever. <laughs> so, you know. That's tricky. <laughs> <laughs> I also like a song I, I really like that they added is Maison de Lune. Yeah. Which I didn't, I, I kind of miss when I see the movie because that scene with the the guy from the, the asylum is very fast. Right. And very creepy. I feel like I, after watching the musical, mm-hmm. like 
three or four times. Sure. I I feel like I was like, wow, I there's stuff that I missed in mm. the movie. Like just because I I don't remember when the last time I saw the animated movie was, mm. but I just missed a lot of stuff. Like I what? think. Like I I don't think I understood the asylum part. Oh, what was happening? Yeah. There? Yeah. It's pretty. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. much more direct in the show. Obviously, yes. They lay out the whole plan for you in this yeah. song uh, that he's going to have Maurice committed unless Belle decides to marry Gaston. Yeah. Which is what I appreciate about that plan. <laughs> in all seriousness, is Gaston knows exactly where to go. That's true. <laughs> like Gaston. He knows his audience. Is not like Gaston is kind of willfully ignorant. Sure. Which is what makes him an interesting villain. Yeah. He decides not to know things. He decides not to read. He decides to ignore criticism. But Gaston is clever. Yeah. And that is a devious, oh yeah, devious He's plan. A, yeah. To like to imp- to to imprison like somebody unless you do what I want, which is the only way he could get like because he can't threaten Belle. Yeah. And nothing he could threaten her with. Would, would bother her it like he obviously doesn't know her at all except he knows that like well she loves her dad yeah and she'd do something like everybody thinks he's nuts so like it wouldn't be that weird for him to be committed yeah and so like no he yeah. found the one thing she loves yes. and then she he found the one and other thing right that, how to get to yeah her. and it was just this great and then what what's so great about it yeah is that i love the the fact that it doesn't get it doesn't get dwelt on. Like, there's no moment where you really think he's going to get committed because she right away just goes for the mirror. Sure. This nice organic giving her the, like, the mirror four scenes earlier yeah. so that, like, she can use it in this moment, yes. which is just fantastic. And we're instantly out of that problem and we have a whole new problem yeah. now where he's going to rile up the mob, which is another great song, obviously, yeah. and straight out of the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think villains get the best, the best songs in shows like this. And yeah. They're, they're, they get to be bad, which is so, they much, do, yeah. so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And safe. And they all die. So that's not, yeah. you know, yeah. no biggie. Yeah. They fall. It's a Disney movie, so they fell. He they fell. All, all the villains fall. He, he, he might not have died. He might not. That's it's, a pretty It's fall. possible it's a that. big fall, though. Yeah. I mean, he. No, yes. he like disappears as he. Go, yeah. Have you ever know? I mean, it's something I never noticed until it was pointed out to me, though, that all Disney villains fall to their death. Do they? Yeah. So except for Ursula. In Who's Little Mermaid, who gets stabbed, stabbed by with the a ship, yeah, because she's huge. There's no, yeah. she's in the sea. She can't fall. Yeah, nowhere else to fall. <laughs> um, Ga- uh, Gaston falls. Um, Jafar doesn't die. He gets sucked into the uh, into the lamp. Um, Maleficent. Maleficent is the dragon, right? Mm-hmm. So she gets stabbed, but the um, the witch in Snow White falls off the cliff when she's trying to push a boulder onto Snow White, and then the boulder falls back on top of her. I've not seen these movies in a uh, while. <laughs> it, it is a like a running because it's a clean like you say. Yeah. We don't see them die. And so it's clean from like a rating standpoint. Yeah. You can still be rated G. Um but they also often fall because of their own actions. So like I said, in Snow White, the witch is trying to push the boulder onto Snow White and the the because she refuses to transform herself back into like the young virile woman that she is. Um <laughs> The uh, the stick she's using snaps and she oh. falls backwards. Um, huh. Gaston in the movie pulls out a knife to stab the beast and misses after the beast is like not going to drop him and falls and loses his footing. So it's usually they don't only fall to their death, but they fall to their death because of something they did. Scar also is like hanging off the edge 
Simba's gonna bring him back, and he like I don't remember what he does, but he like takes a swipe and or the oh no the hyenas kick him. That's right, he gets uh, falling. Uh, yeah, yeah, he gets pushed yeah. the hyenas. So it's it's that kind of thing of like falling to your death, but because of your own actions, yeah, is what causes you to be because of your personal right. Fall. Yeah, but so it's that very like moralistic universe of yeah. the Disney world where it's just like no no the universe is a good place that will punish the wicked and and save the virtuous and yeah, yeah. that's not not always how it works <laughs> not, <laughs> not spoil quite. anything for you but uh, um i'm sure you've noticed it doesn't it doesn't all go so great uh but sometimes it does and that's yeah, why we need these stories absolutely. to tell us things that are fun um <laughs> yeah I, this 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 sto- the beauty and the beast brings up a lot of interesting moral questions about stuff like that but so listening to it now uh i mean, have you first seen it when you were five-ish yes and now it's 13 years later Yes. And you not only have no have more life experience, but you have like more theatrical experience. Was sure. there anything that stood out to you listening to it a bunch that you didn't expect that took you off guard in either like good or bad? Or... Um, story wise or whatever, anything. Just, yeah, anything at all. I the orchestrations. Oh, okay. I because when you're younger, you're like words and melodies, <laughs> and I can sing this, mm-hmm. and it'll be great. This is in my range. Uh, exactly. Love a good audition song. Absolutely. Um. But I was listening to the orchestrations, and I was like, wow, this hmm. is incredible. Because I've, I've started listening to orchestrations, because it's, it's such a skill, I think, oh, gosh, to yeah. orchestrate something. And I, like, can't imagine all the time and, like, knowledge that you need to be able to do that. And they're so good mm-hmm. in the score. Mm-hmm. And it was Danny True. Danny True. Th- yeah. Yes. He did a great job. He really did. <laughs> He did a very good job. Do you believe that wasn't a Tony Award until 1997? It was the first year they gave a Tony Award for orchestrations. That's the Tonys crazy. had been around for 50 years at that point. Before That's they decided insane. To Isn't it nuts? Because I always assumed, incorrectly, that like Jonathan Tunick, who did, like, uh, did uh, Night Music and did a lot of Sondheim stuff, had like 50 Tony Awards. I just assumed, because right. he's an amazing orchestrator. And no, he has won. He won it for 97 for, <laughs> for Titanic. And that's it. And it's like, so Danny Troop did not have a... Ch- I'm quickly scrolling to see if he won for anything else, but he did. Because also, Best Orchestrations is why Billy Joel has a Tony Award. Because <laughs> he got it for really? moving out. Yeah, he got it for moving out. Wow. Um, which is neither here nor there. But yeah, it's just fascinating that it took... Yeah, it's years such an this... integral part of the show. Yeah. Like, if you don't have the horns and the, the strings... Doing what that... they're doing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not... It's... It, it does, but it does... It is like you, you just sort of intimated. It's a... It's an invisible part of the show. Yeah. It kind of gets lumped into score. Right. Yes. And the ability to hear... you And you also kind of shouldn't notice what the orchestra's doing until like the fifth or sixth time you listen yeah because yeah i was i was listening to the show and then like i because sometimes you hear a really good orchestra thing Mm -hmm. um like the violins do something and you're like what that that was great Mm -hmm. and then you start listening and you're like whoa there's so much here but it it is it's meant to bolster the 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 song song itself yeah exactly right and And since very few shows have underscoring Right. I can imagine it would get, except for dance numbers, like it would yeah. just get kind of. Well, this has the wolf chase, right? This has a this is the wolf. In it. Yeah. yeah, they have the entract. Um, the wolf uh, well, chase. yeah, the entract and the wolf chase. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a funny little 
fact that yeah. kind of blew me away that this this is not something we've only been giving this award for 20 years That's pretty much crazy and it's, yeah it's insane and glad we fixed that. i know <laughs> it it took a long time but they got there what's your favorite song i i think it's if i can't love her yeah yeah it's a great song it is a list song which it's only when like i think the 40th time i heard it that it's just sort of like you know no pain could be deeper no life could be cheaper no but like it's just it is a litany but of the synonyms. rhyming is great so it's you very forget. Yeah. <laughs> this is good tim rice yeah this is like i have i have a very mixed relationship with tim rice somewhere around here i feel like he stopped trying this isn't not this show okay but like by the time he got to lion king and everything he kind of has done since then, I feel like he's not he's not trying anymore. I feel like his lyrics get a little I've talked about this a bunch. You can listen to the bad lyrics episode. You can listen to my chess episode with Jason Slopstein. So I'm not going to reiterate it here. Right. But I, I just have this feeling with Tim Rice that there was a point where he stopped really trying. And this was a good like this is one of his last good Interesting. Good shows and and that song specifically has a really nice like yeah. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I was I was listening because I'm listening to lyrics. Of now. course, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's really clever. At the end of Act One, and he's you know he's feeling some feelings. Yeah. So we're gonna and he he deserves to feel those feelings. And it's much more effective than I I will say it's one of the the moments where um the movie. The, the musical outstrips uh, the film, the animated film, a little bit because he kind of has the revelation quietly in something there in the animated film and right. then confesses it later to Lumiere or Co- and Cogsworth, Cogsworth yeah. after he's let him go. I mean, it's a neat scene, but yeah. it's like we never get that like he loves her and like yeah. how much that let like he really loves her. And... I think they lean a lot more on that in the Broadway show than they do in the movie. This the beast being unable to love is a lot more yeah. of a more than he is unloved, he is unable to love. So when he does love it, like Yeah. It's if I can't love her, it's the end of Act One. It's yeah. an explosion. Um that's a great yeah, that's a well, it's a great song. It's certainly I think it's my favorite song from the show. You know what's not on the cast album? What? A change in me. It was added later to the show and is not on the cast album. For now I realize that good can come from bad that may not make me wise but oh 
Where does it go? It goes, Belle comes back to the town. Um, and sometime before the mob song, I think. And then it's, yeah, according sometime to this, it's right before, before the mob song. Yeah. The, her dad gets taken. Um, she, uh, she sings A Change in Me to Maurice. So or not to Maurice. She's according to this singing. note, this is really funny. It was written into the show in 98. Yes. Because Tony Braxton was playing Belle, and they wanted to give her a song. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just stayed. <laughs> well, cause it's, it's a great song, yeah. It is a good song. No, it is. It's just really funny. <laughs> they were like, the show had been running for four years, and they were just like, yeah, we'll write a new song for that. Sure, sure why not? It's been running for whatever. Whatever. That's fine. We can add a song. And then they didn't, I guess they probably, there's got to be a recording of it somewhere. But Oh, yeah. That's really funny. I don't think you yeah. need a song there, though. That's a neat song, but I don't think you need a song there. Yeah. That's probably It true. really does but feel like they're looking for a place to put a song, and they're like, no, no. Well, there. She work. actually, I will say, in that song's defense, now that I'm looking at that, she hasn't sung in a while and doesn't sing again. Oh, really? She sings something there. I mean, act two, Belle sings something there, mm-hmm. which is a duet, actually a group number, and then doesn't sing again until the... Actually, she the, doesn't sing again. Unless, she oh, she does the transformation. The they duet, do the transformation yeah. duet. That's right. But so that's it. So she yeah. doesn't have a song in Act Two. So actually, that makes sense. Okay, never sure. mind. I'm back on board. Nicely done, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Making him rice. You yeah. did it again, you <laughs> bastards. That's fantastic. <laughs> I like. I will have to say one thing that bu- bugged me when I got this CD, and I now actually greatly appreciate is there's no pictures, um, except for this on the back, which is just this like. And you could, you can't see the beast. Yeah. Which at the time drove me crazy. Now I understand is because they wanted you to see the show. Oh. Like you can't, like, because this is pre-internet. Yeah. So like you saw the press packets, you saw the Tony performance. Right. But like if you want to see how we did it, that, you have to come see it. It's yeah. that like, it's that kind of marketing, which Disney is so great at, um, which you can't do anymore because of the internet. Right. People just go to Google and look it up. Um. That's I would a good love point. It, I yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah, it's that funny little like because that's always when I was getting cast albums when I was in high school, it was that was the way you saw the show. Right. You know, it was the pictures in the booklet. It was, you know, and that was it. That yeah. Was the only and like I had some other like coffee table books and stuff of Broadway stuff, but like that's how you saw the show. Yeah. And that is no not a thing now anymore. It's, you put no. your phones you can just on, put them on and have wikipedia pulled up and you're and, like, or you yeah, get the it, right. it's so funny to me i never know what to do i just bought the prom cast album on amazon right. digitally and they give you the booklet which is really nicely designed mm-hmm. um but i never know what to do with that pdf <laughs> right like i look through it and i'm like all right cool Put okay. it away. You know, I'll go back to it, I guess, if I need a lyric. But, like, it's buried in a subfolder on my yeah. hard drive. Like, it's not really... Which is a shame. Yeah. Because there's some great... 
great design in that. That's just me. Yeah. I'm the only one who cares it, about that. Me and Robbie Russell, we're the only people who care about that. And that's where we're going to end. Sorry. No, we're not. We're going to end on a happy note. That's not good. Oh, but so what... Um, so you're in Adam's Family right now. But what do, you, do you have anything coming up? Yeah, Adam's Family mm-hmm. at Child's Theater. And then I am in Legally Blonde at Washington Lee High School. Oh, my. Yeah. As? Vivian. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you're doing your college applications. And college applications. And college auditions, too. Oh, true. Yeah, there's... That's true. All the things. Yeah. When? Are the, when, when? When is that mostly? My first audition is for theater at Fordham on January 20th. Oh, so very soon. Yeah. Well, have fun. I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Don't have too much not fun? I don't know how to phrase that uh, sentence exactly. Do well. Do well. Do well. Break a leg. Break a leg? Is that what we say? Uh, In auditions? I don't know. I asked people about that, and they were like... Just do your best. Yeah. That's all you can hope to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, do your best and... Try not to hate it too much would be my other yeah because college applications suck yeah and we got I'm trying to end on a happy note here Anna, um, and you, you we're just we're just you know there's a lot of it's well, it is 2019 happy, <laughs> <laughs> we did we it <laughs> the original cast is produced and edited by me Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts from the convenience of your iPhone and or check out the original cast on Stitcher if that's how you get down. <laughs> right, thanks to Anna Grace Nowak for coming down and talking to me today. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Rehearsal.